0: No! Your ass better call somebody. Research and development, putting in the man hours to study the science of what you need. Last week we put liquid paper on a bee, and it died. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup. Can I tell you something? without you getting angry? I love you. Yeah, you, big guy. Mm-hmm.
1: Welcome back into another edition of the Chess Dynasty Football Podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for hitting the play button. All the podcasts out there, so many dope content creators, especially the ones at Destination Devi, and you guys were willing to hit the button on us. We appreciate that. But... We're not going to mess around here. We come to bring you the actionable advice. You can get that in the newsletter for free, quite a bit, but check out the description down below, make sure that you're tapped in and signed up to everything the Destination Devi is doing for the actionable advice. We're here to give it to you, but first, let me introduce the man of the hour, my co-host, my best buddy, Adam. How you feeling today, buddy? We got we got 7 weeks of football in the books heading into week eight, right? <laughs> if you haven't picked a direction already, I think you, uh, you're you lagging behind, man. <laughs> like, yeah,
0: it's time to pick a direction if you haven't. And, you know, maybe for you and your league dynamics, that's not going to come back to bite you. Um, I don't know that that's going to be something we get into this episode, but if you're not picking your direction soon enough, other people may, which then change your course of how you're going to pick your direction. So... Um, yeah, man, we're, we're halfway through the season, and um, th- there's a whole lot to talk about, man. Um, but I'm, I'm happy to be back here with everybody. Sorry if I sound a little under the weather, but you can guarantee there's nothing that's getting in the way of me coming on 4D with Mike and bringing all the Dynasty Degenerates, like Mike said, the good, actionable advice. So let's get into it, man.
1: Hell yeah, man. You and I both, we power through. We power through for the people. You know, I had COVID one time, still did a podcast.
0: Who cares? Let's Can't go. stop, won't <laughs> stop, Rockefeller Records.
1: <laughs> All right. So tonight I wanted to talk a little bit about, we have a, a couple topics, right? Where it's going to be a split show. Generally, we stick on one topic. We kind of just go through the whole thing, but there's a few very important things that we need to discuss the first topic that I want to get into and, uh, and and talk about is there's been so much discussion of this uh this thing called warp, Adam, right? So if you if you pay attention to anything on Destination Devi, Scott and Eric have done warp pods, Scott does his own warp uh, done an own his own warp pod kind of talking about it on Destination Dynasty. We have a lot of really good information. And one of the guys at Destination Devi is the one who is also providing the uh, the warp tables, right? Dynasty Barry, our guy what good buddy of ours
0: absolutely Really man. enjoy
1: chopping it up with him we have a patron in in, in ours patreon.com slash south Harmon koopa troopa who provided us with some warp tables right and and the cool thing is he's uh he he's been uh hey what do you guys think as far as league settings you know i can completely customize it to whatever you want when i think of warp and i saw his tables Generally, it's it's almost too complicated for my brain to like comprehend. It's a lot of numbers, and and sometimes I get lost. You know, I only have ten fingers, so I lose count after I lose count after a while, man. Like, after the
0: toes, it's over.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and sometimes I I can't. I'm fat. I can't reach down that far. <laughs> Do them individually, but when looking at the tables, right, the, these are all fancy and they're color coded. You know, by quarterback and running back, wide receiver, that kind of thing they're easier for me to digest so i kind of want to just talk about some of the observations from the warp table and these are going to be through six weeks right he he posted these on saturday for us to look at we obviously had another week of football going but through six weeks of the nfl season i thought there was some very interesting trends right and the numbers actually say it not just wide receivers and running backs which were we pounded into the dirt, (laughs) dirt of as of late but the interest intricacies between different league size settings and different lineup settings. So, right. You know, the, the smaller lineups that we've talked about in the past, the start nines, the, the bigger ones, you know, generally the most of the leagues that we're going to play in are going to be start 13, 14, but kind of 12 just feels like a number that a lot of people like to play with. And then, the, the tight end premium, you know how we always get crazy with the tight end premium scoring? Of course. Not so much that, but the start two tight ends and how big of a fucking difference starting two tight ends really affects a warp table when you're looking at it. So, Adam, let's dive right into it, man. I, I'm just looking at the, the start nine. So the league settings of this warp table, you're going to start two quarterbacks, two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end, and one flex. Okay, so the scoring is going to be your traditional... Four point for a passing touchdown, negative two for an interception, negative one for a sack. Right, nothing, nothing crazy. PPR and and a half point tight end premium, right? Because that's kind of becoming standard. From I don't I don't even think I have a non tight end premium league at this point. Right, through thirty leagues, I don't think I, I I manage one. I know in the past I did, but it's uh it's kind of just becoming a mainstay here. But if we look at it on the start nine, Josh Allen ho-hum leading the way QB one in any type of super flex start 2qb anything he's got a 1.2 value on this table the next guy is sub one and that's travis kelsey (laughs) that's that's how crazy josh allen has been this year right and anybody who has josh allen knows that this is a fact that he is just a almost a cheat code man how many weeks has he had so far where he he flat out like wins you the week, right? As long as you just got people with a pulse, Josh Allen's out there beating the brains out of your opponent week in and week out. But Travis Kelsey being the number two in the entire league was kind of a a shocker to me. Like We know how good he is at the tight end position and how bad in general the tight end position has been, like a dumpster fire. But this really demonstrates just how valuable he is to winning your team and, and, and uh, winning your league week in and week out because he's such a positional advantage. And when you look at a warp table, right, that number, of course, it's not touching Josh Allen, but to be number two in the league at the tight end position in a start nine, Adam, could you imagine if you had a team that had Josh Allen and Travis Kelsey? Like, does it does it really matter what the hell the rest of your team <laughs> As at that point, you have an advantage over everybody every single week as long as they're not hurt or on by.
0: Right, yeah. I mean, what that does is essentially in a start nine league, your, your roster construction and bad breaks would just have to be really horrible for you not to be able to outweigh all the differences If even if you're trailing on average compared to your opponent because you, you win positions like that too. And I think that's why this warp – shows this right because Travis Kelsey versus the other tight ends is a huge difference so yeah even if you're losing the majority of the other seven spots what you're winning week in and week out typically with Travis Kelsey and with Josh Allen makes up for that so like unless you just had horrible breaks with your injuries and then your roster construction was poor like this puts you at a massive advantage
1: so number three on the list, Cooper Cup. We know he's a damn stud. He's been a stud for a couple years now. Um, Lamar Jackson is the second quarterback in Warp, right, .85. Then you go to Stefan Diggs, wide receiver two. Then you have two more quarterbacks, Mahomes, Jalen Hurts. And then you have another tight end, right, Mark Andrews, Mandrews. And, and this is it's not too shocking that these guys are showing up. And then you have two running backs, Austin Eckler, Saquon Barkley, Ho-Hum, RB1, RB2. We we kind of know what they are. Um, when I look at this chart, Adam, in a start nine, like my biggest takeaway when looking at it was shocking that Kelsey was so high. But also when I when I look at the breakdown, you get two tight ends, you get two running backs, and you get two wide receivers. But the other four spots are going to be occupied by all quarterbacks, Adam. And I think this stress is something that we've always preached and thought, but we didn't really have the the numbers to back it up that in a start nine format, if you're if it's super flex two QB, having two elite quarterbacks is is almost a must, right? You, you get two of these four guys and you're sitting pretty in your league, right? A 12-team league, you have an advantage week in and week out. Now, there's some other things you can do with your roster. You know, if, if you had a lot of Austin Eckler and Saquon Barkley on your team, you're doing well as well in a start nine. If you had Travis Kelsey on your team or Mark Andrews, you're doing fine. And then of course, Cooper Cup, Stefan Diggs. But the easiest thing, instead of having to predict or or try to think who the next Cooper Cup's going to be, who's going to be the next Austin Eckler, is is Saquon actually going to rebound to RB1? Instead of laying those bets, the easiest thing you can do in every single one of your leagues is just invest in those elite quarterback assets. Because more more often than not, you're you're not going to miss. <laughs> you're not going to be wrong. You don't have to worry about the running back getting an ACL or these wide receivers like some of the guys that we really like, like Devontae Adams, that kind of thing. If they have a situation change or a downgrade at quarterback or maybe their quarterback goes down, right? they're reliant on so many pieces. The quarterback's touching the ball all the time, right? They're, they're elite for a reason, and they generally stay elite you know, until they, until they reach that that age or, you know, the team really does just fall apart over a number of years around them. So when I'm looking at this table for start nine, man, that was my biggest takeaway is the easiest thing without having to do predictions and, and forecasting and future out there is, man, if I just stay within that elite quarterback range, that top four range, I'm going to be just fine. <laughs> I'm going to be just fine in my, my startup drafts or in trading in my leagues. If I'm If I'm in that format, I just know, hey, man, don't overthink it. It's start nine. invest in elite quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, I think there's two things about that. One, obviously, it it does depend on what the cost is, right? Because um, they matter, and you can do a whole bunch to – you don't have to have studs built around those top-tier quarterbacks if you have two of them. But if you put too much of your assets in there, you pay way out the nose for them. That, that's not a good thing to do at any position. The one thing that you can say, regardless, though, is that if you just think about it logically, right? So a start nine league, you're starting nine players in super flex. Two of those should be quarterbacks, right? So that now leaves seven positions that have to try to play catch up. And what we know is, one, quarterbacks score the most points when they're hitting. So they score more than the skill players do, right? Like, that's just, that's factual. So if you have two of the elite ones. So you have a massive edge on your opponents at quarterback one and at super flex. What that means is they have to now at the skill players try to play catch up with you. And by and large, even if they have all bunch of studs, those players aren't scoring as much as the quarterbacks do. So they have to try to catch up at seven other spots and you don't have to beat them at those seven other spots. You, you can construct your roster to where I don't have to have smash running backs, but I just need running backs that aren't going to lose me monumentally because my quarterbacks are so good. So like start nine to your point, I think just logically talking that out is why you see this and it's so clear that the numbers speak to you know your your warp at quarterback if you have two elite ones and start nine is just, I mean, it really is a cheat code. And then if you were ever able to do, two elite quarterbacks and you actually picked and had the tight end that really matters, like you're, you're going to be really tough to beat week in and week out.
1: The other observation I had just from looking at this exact chart is that running back and wide receiver, right? This debate that we keep having back and forth. Yes. So far through six weeks, which this data is definitely shows that the wide receivers are the the better investments right the the better ones they're out producing at least at the top end so what i mean by that is you know the wide receiver one and two become comes uh comes before the rb one and two and warp right like they are if you're if you're looking at a list from top to bottom one through 50 they're on the list before their counterpoints at, at rb one and two and it's the same for three and four five and six seven and eight it doesn't really shift, though, until you get to that back tier, like the the back end wide receiver ones, right? So you're 10, 11, 12, and the same thing for your running backs, 9, 10, 11, 12. That's when the running backs then start to prop up and start to outpace and warp what the wide receivers are doing. So I thought that was kind of interesting because we know it's kind of been a bad running back year. We've dived into it about, you know, all the intricacies of the running back versus wide receiver debate, but... At the top, that's a hundred percent factual. You start getting towards the back end of the RB1 wide receiver one territory. It's like the running backs start to catch up and go, Hey, did you forget about us? We're still good. You know we're still good at football It's still a score of fantasy points, right? We're still valuable to your team. You still need to have some of us around. So I thought that was pretty cool when I looked at this graph.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I think the the thing really is, you know. The running backs here that are playing well and are, are giving you warp, um, like Austin Eckler, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, Nick Chubb, um, Brees Hall, you know, th- those guys you did have to invest in early, but what this doesn't show is all the running backs maybe you, you took early, which don't hit, right? And I think that's what kind of burns people and makes people want to not invest in running back is then, you know, we're looking at RB6 right here, Mike Brees Hall, right, and warp and... That was ahead of schedule. RB one overall, and then he gets hurt. Right, um, Derrick Henry last year got hurt. Saquon Barkley was hurt the year prior. So, I, right or wrong, I think the narratives around the injuries affect that. Whereas, like when you look at the warp, what I'm looking at here, you know, we got Cooper Cup, Stephon Diggs, Justin Jefferson, Tyree Kill, Jamar Chase, Hollywood Brown, Devonte Adams, like all those guys. AJ Brown's in that mix too. Like the ones you invested in early this year for wide receiver there's not that many letting you down. So I think that's part of what's built in as well is you can, the whole argument is, you know, you go chase these running backs later that don't necessarily score Saquon Barkley or Austin Eckler or anybody, but you know, you get some of the crustier ones. You don't have to score as many, but you're winning at the wide receiver spots to your point though. Um, you know, if you invested in the right running back, that's a big if because of all the landmines you had to dodge. But if you invested in the right running backs, like, you can still roster construct the other way by – absolutely can happen. Because if you if you had Austin Eckler and Saquon Barkley, right, but some of these wide receivers you took later, um, you know, you you could absolutely still have good warp if you're landing Devontae Smith, Amon Ross St. Brown, Mari Cooper you get later, Mike Evans you're getting later, right? Like, you, you can still do it the inverse. So, like, to, my thing I guess would to, to say, obviously the wide receivers are – viewed as better assets and should be they're, they're smashing this year and the way running back is as a whole that landscape's not great but this data shows that you you could have done it correct you, you could have uh, roster constructed a really good team even in start nine by taking some running backs early obviously moving forward you, you're just not going to need to do that anymore it's just that's not going to be the way you need to go anymore
1: the last thing I had from the start nine for my observation too is is just generally at quarterback. Um we just talked about the pacing between running backs and wide receivers. Uh, generally down to like QB twelve, it just seems like they're gonna outpace every single position <laughs> as you keep going down the list, right? If it's not a quarterback, for sure a QB one in your league is gonna mean more to your team than having the, you know, the equivalent, right? So if you get a QB 10 that's worth more than having the RB10 in your league. If you get a, a QB10, that's worth more than having the the wide receiver 10. And sure as fuck because of the the, the tight end landscape. Uh, we we only get two, uh, three tight ends total that even made the, the top 50 of this list. <laughs> so,
0: and number three was somebody that was way down people's boards in startups, David yeah. Njoku. Now, um, I, I think that would be one of the biggest takeaways for me in start nine that I've, I've certainly felt in a couple leagues is – I'll give you an example. I have one team, Mike, that's like when you look at the roster, the picks, everything I I put together, you're like, man, this team is going to be the best in the league. The problem with that team is, Mike, my quarterback situation, I would played value over and over by trading quarterbacks, cycling through them, utilizing all this information, right, that says quarterbacks matter a bunch and playing that into my team. But when I go into the season, Mike, with Dak Prescott and Matthew Stafford, I know that I'm not, one of these top heavy teams, right? But to your point here, when you look at warp, if you have two top 12 ish quarterbacks and you have the right build around them, like you can absolutely still smash. The problem is if you don't have the elite ones and you don't have middle tier ones, even like the, what you'll see is Dak Prescott and Matthew Stafford are not on this warp page period. Right? So in start nine, if you have that going on, it doesn't really matter. Like it's almost does not matter what the rest of your team looks like. Because, like we just talked about, the flip, the inverse, right? You are now playing catch-up. Even though your seven other positions may be better than most everybody else, you're getting crushed at quarterback. And the problem there becomes, in a, in a league like this, Mike, buying quarterbacks midseason is, when, when you Gosh. have Dak and you have Stafford, is, uh. I mean, it doesn't matter what you have. Like, sometimes they're not movable. So, that, that, I think, is one of the things that this – you know, warp graph shows that I think is really key to think about in the different leagues, like in start nine, man, to your point, you want to have the elite ones and you definitely want to have top 12 ones, you know, whereas in best ball or deeper starters, you you might be able to play around with some of the more middle middling quarterbacks as far as like, you know, quarterback 12 to 16 ish, where in in start nine, you don't want those guys.
1: All right, let's move on to the start 12, right? So, same scoring settings, PPR, half point tight end premium, same for passing touchdowns, interceptions, sack, but we're starting 12 roster spots. Okay. So instead of the nine, now we're at 12. So two quarterbacks, two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end, and four flex positions. Right, This is a what's becoming more and more normal, right? Deeper starting rosters, that kind of thing. The very first observation I had that stood out to me was the jump in actual warp values on the chart and I thought it was going to be the inverse. You know what I mean? I thought the higher numbers would come in the start nine, right? The, the studs. Yes and no, right? I looked at the numbers and it threw me off. So Josh Allen jumps up to 1.39 warp on Koopa sheet, whereas in the start nine, he's a 1.20. And I'm thinking that the, the number is going to be much higher in the start nine, but that's not the case. And I'm trying to do all the reasoning, like trying to figure out why. And the only thing I can come up with Adam is now we're starting so many more players. You're going to have so many more uh, so many more data points, right? So many more players that would get pulled that are going to be counted as quote unquote starters because they're going to go into your flex versus the start 9, right? The the league isn't starting as many players in the start 9 versus a start 12. So now like the warp values for the guys who are the studs the real studs, increases even more, right? Because it's such an advantage to have a Josh Allen over starting uh, a Michael Hardman in your fourth flex spot, right? <laughs> like as your, your wide receiver five, your wide receiver six. Those guys kind of become irrelevant. And then just think about it, that's for every single team across the league, right? Not everybody has four or five flex spots or six or seven wide receivers that they feel really good about starting sometimes those in the start 12s the start 13s those guys who actually make your flex are just dart throws like i hope i hope this guy does something i hope he catches a touchdown pass i hope jeff swain is a thing and i can get a spot start out of him for a week or will disley like these kind of tight ends too in the premium where you're just trying to hit something of someone who may fall in the end zone so I think that was the best explanation. I don't know whether or not it's true or not, but it made sense to me when I'm thinking about it logically because it was kind of off-putting when I looked at it and I go, wait a minute, I would have thought the start nine guys, the studs would have had the higher values versus the start 12s. But when I think about all the turds who may be starting in the bottom of those flex spots across the 12-team league with four flexes, it made a little bit more sense to me.
0: Yeah, I I think that does make sense. And I think that, um, you know, the, the warp data obviously does change um but and there's players here that make the list that didn't you know on the other sheet you know you're looking at like Damian Pierce and Brandon Ayuk. um gosh man you're even looking at Clyde edwards hilaire right now as though it's not you know you can't predict that to continue in the future um the the thing i would say like it i think this the, the strategy though with the warp information i'm still looking at here is is basically Like, you want to have studs at the right spots. Um, Still, you want to have your quarterbacks, your elite ones, right? Um, But what's going to happen in in this one, start nine versus start 12, the big difference is, like, injuries are going to kill you, you know, because you need more starters, right? You need to be more cognizant of how you're building your roster in a a lineup like this because it's just just so different when you have all those extra starters when you're looking at injuries and, and bye weeks that we're in right now, right? Yeah, yeah, it's huge. One of the big things, too, the second one I noticed that stood out
1: to me, Adam, when I went to the start 12 and started really looking at it, was outside of Josh Allen, all the other quarterbacks fell down the list, all of them, and every other skill position got pushed up. Correct. Like universally, top to bottom. Correct. So, so what that's telling me is because generally – if, for most quarterbacks, right, we 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 have seen the uh, the turd quarterbacks play football before and get you negative fantasy points, right? We've all experienced it. But generally, quarterbacks have a higher floor in fantasy scoring mm-hmm. outside of like heavy negatives or really bad weeks where they throw two pick sixes and lose four fumbles and you know only throw for 150 yards. It's just a horrible. It's a shit show. Mm-hmm. Generally, though, most good starting quarterbacks. You know, you're thinking like your top twenty have high floors for fantasy scoring. When you're starting so many other skill positions, they don't become as much of a positional advantage. The quarterback, anyways, so outside of the mutant Josh Allen, superhero well, Josh Allen.
0: Yeah, I think that. But I think that speaks to the point of the start nine I was making, where you know you're you now have seven skill players in start nine that are chasing the two quarterbacks, right? Yeah. And in start 12, Mike, you're talking about now 10, right? 10 of them. So yeah. if you rostered, I think that's the big thing that you have to understand, the difference in the, in the start nine to start 12, which if you're, you know, Dynasty Generals, I, I'm assuming a lot of people here playing a lot of different leagues, so maybe you've experienced this, but whether you have or haven't, what happens is in start 12, if your roster construction is different than start nine and you don't get the quarterbacks early, like what this data is showing you is that Hell, man, if you had Marcus Mariota as your Superflex quarterback, right, that is quarterback nine in warp, right? (laughs) And what you'll see is all these skill players that are looking, like, if you, it basically, you have now 10 guys that are going to be able to catch the quarterbacks a lot faster if you have, you know, like, if you have Travis Kelsey, that's one big, huge advantage here because that's going to boost up the rest of your skill players. And then if you have, you know, three of the top 12 wide receivers in start 12 not that that's not good in start nine but that's even bigger in start 12.
1: It's even more of an advantage too for those guys you know the uh the bully tight end strat right Mark Andrews moves up as pretty much the only other tight end like really worse something so if you had a team that had Kelsey and Mark Andrews not only are you taking the points away from the rest of your league but as far as warp goes, like, they're actually scoring enough fantasy points where if you would have inserted random RB, you know, RB3-type asset into your flex spot, you know, Mark Andrews is now a massive advantage over whoever the hell that guy was starting in a tight end premium. So that's huge.
0: Well, you know what, Mike? It's interesting, man. Um, in start 12, if you think about – now, this warp isn't based on start two tight ends, right? But if you think about it this way, if it was a two tight end league – and it's a start 12. You actually get a bigger advantage if you were to go crazy investment into a Kelsey and Andrews than -hmm. you would if you went Josh Allen. Like right now, Josh Allen, if you went Josh Allen and Justin Herbert, let's say, because that was legitimately, believe it or not, I know if you're thinking this isn't the case, Dynasty Degenerates, I'm telling you, one and two by ADP this summer was Allen and Herbert. So if you went those two, that is not as beneficial to your team at all as it would be to have Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews.
1: Yeah, you're looking at like somewhere in the combined of like a one point one point eight warp for those two quarterbacks, if we mm-hmm. just look at the data sheets that were provided here. Two point five for the other. Yeah, team. right. Two point five and that's huge, right? That's 0. 0.7 warp. So that's basically if you go down to the table and find a guy who's got 0. 0.7, that's like having an extra or free Derrick Henry on your team. Well, and, and, and that's and, a big fucking deal.
0: Exactly. And I think See, see, this is why the tight end really can change a lot because th- think about it like this. If this was, let's say this was a start 12, two tight end for a second. Because what this is going to do, Mike, like to your point, not only now do you have the warp advantage, but you have taken away two of really the three tight ends, four or five tight ends that matter, right? Let's even say that Kittle ends up staying healthy and comes back and plays better the second half, whatever. You you've taken away all the eliteness of the points, so everybody else they're they're going to be starting. Who the hell knows? In some of their tight end two spot, like that's where yeah. you know understanding, like we talk about, your league settings and dynamics are are huge in a situation like this.
1: So to round out the top ten, right, we get two quarterbacks, Lamar and Josh Allen are the only ones to make it. Obviously, Josh Allen at one, but Lamar comes in at nine. You get the two running backs again, Eckler and Barkley, six and eight respectively. And then Adam, four wide receivers, four wide receivers in the top 10 Cup, Diggs, Justin Jefferson, and Mr. Tyreek Hill. Yep. I think that's a, I think to me, when I looked at this, my takeaway was this is what people have been talking about with the running back versus wide receiver thing, right? Because you could find these random replacement running backs that are giving you above average weeks, right? So when we talk about consistency and spike weeks, you could find these dudes kind of all over the place. And this doesn't take into account whether or not you you actually started them in a lineup league or not, right? We do a lot of best ball stuff. So in the best ball leagues, you would have actually played these guys.
0: Right. <laughs> like
1: Automatically, as long right. as they were on a roster somewhere. But I think it's really showing that, you can find kind of above-average replacement levels who are giving you positive warp at the running back spot and you didn't have to invest premium capital on it, where at the wide receiver position, if you went more of that route and more wide receiver heavy, you were actually setting yourself up, especially in start 12, for much greater success. Not only did you dodge quite a few of the landmines like you were talking about earlier, but as far as wins over replacement value, the wide receivers at the top, four of them cracking the top 10 and and pushing a lot of those quarterbacks down, like the high scoring quarterbacks that we know and love pushing those running backs down. That's a big advantage for you, right? If you're, if you're out there rocking a a cup of digs or, you know, some combination of Jefferson or Tyreek Hill, like that's, that's an advantage week in and week out for you.
0: For sure. And I mean, um, when you look at it this way too, right? Because the the roster construction would say you did um you went more R B and then you filled back with wide receivers. Now if you landed it right, you could still get a Eckler and Barkley, right? Yeah. early. And then you could get Devontae Smith and you know, Christian Kirk or Tyler Lockett late. And even if you did that, that's all that that's good and you still have decent team. But to your point, I think this is where the other approach where you're going wide receiver heavy is where it gives you the advantage is this. So even right now, if you wanted to go trade for Christian Kirk, Devontae Smith, um, any of those type guys, Tyler Lockett may be a little bit down the board as far as that goes, but I'm going to have St. Brown on here. Even these back-end ones, like you're yeah. going to have to pay up for that. You know, like you're going to have to pay a first to most people, at least for these guys, and potentially more. So the point, I guess, is when you're looking at the running backs now, Right, that you are backfilling with in this range. Now, to your point, you have to have them. You have to start them at the right time. But that's not really the same conversation, Mike. It doesn't cost you shit to go get Jamal Williams. You know, you can get him for a second pretty easily, right? Yeah. You could get, um, you know, for a while. Like, if you traded a first away for Damian Pierce, you were an idiot, right? Like,
1: (laughs) we 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 were doing victory laps to everybody who got a first for him, right? We thought it was the greatest thing ever. Now we're sitting here going. Oh,
0: shit. Right. And then <laughs> oh, you got, shit. <laughs> hell, man. I mean, as as long as he's played, and this still includes the weeks he hasn't, you're looking at Cordell Patterson. You, you, how many people were right. writing him off in the offseason, right? And then even Ramondre Stevenson, when Damian Harris was smashing early, people were, you know, there were still the truthers for him. But, like, you didn't have to go pay a first is the point that I'm making even for De- Ramondre Stevenson a lot of times. So I guess when you look at the replacement points and then you talk about the cost of acquisition for the two right there's there's real logic behind why that would make sense especially given the current economics and i think mike this is why this whole conversation is going to be so interesting moving forward and i don't want to get too far off topic here but i just wanted to say this as the economics change right if people start not valuing running backs as highly and they start pushing wide receivers up what does that do to the cost of them could change the conversation some but i think right now in the economy we have today man like the general market, this is why this is such a good uh, approach that Scott has talked about and that um, you you can see it here by a number of ways why it makes sense.
1: I think, too, like part of that dynamic is I know when Scott talks, man, uh, you know, if, if anybody's in a league with Scott, you know that you pay attention to what Scott says on his podcast and his content. Like you are locked in because he's not just blowing smoke up your ass. If he's talking about it, he's doing it. Right or he's already done it, or he's about to do it. I think, too, some of the things we have to remember is generally as a whole, the dynasty community may be slower to react. So I still think there's this opportunity where you can capitalize on the right here, right now, with this wide receiver running back thing, where you can still go out and move some of these running backs for equivalent or, or pretty close to equivalent in value preseason pre kickoff before we started having this change because people aren't all hip to it, right? Not everybody's tapped in listening to smart people like Scott and Eric. They're not tapped in listening to Ray and Jay. They're not as in depth, right? So, you know, some of those leagues, it it feels like the people only show up on Sundays and they set their lineup and then you can't get a hold of them the rest of the week. Like they don't really exist. So I think there's still an opportunity to start taking advantage, but generally as a whole, when it really starts to catch on next year, Adam, I think you're right. I think you're going to see this huge shift where you're going to see a lot more people chasing wide receivers at the top. And and you may yourself, and I may myself, depending on draft position, right? Wide receiver may be the right play there. And I may go wide receiver, but I need to be cognizant that maybe in round two, maybe in round three, there's going to be running backs there that are devalued, that are pushed down that I think have the opportunity to kind of be those extreme values, right? If I'm looking and I'm getting a Saquon Barkley or an Austin Eckler in those positions, obviously next year it'll be different because of age. But, you know, that kind of type of running back, which I feel good about the investment in, at a third-round price tag in a startup, that's something I'm going to end up jumping on more times than not. Like, I won't be able to resist the ability because I know if I hit it and I get it right for that season – it's still going to give me a hell of a warp advantage. Now, if that opportunity doesn't present itself, you've made the case also too when you look at some of these guys going down the list where hell, you know, I, I might go out and try to find the next Cordero Patterson. I might go out and try to find the next Damian Pierce, that kind of thing, and I know for a fact that draft capital doesn't cost anything.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think that's the big thing and takeaway here is um a lot of that and how that plays I think one more thing too, you know, when we talk about, you know, the trading and like you talked about how some you listen to Scott's podcast, you listen to our podcast, and I think a lot of people that are really tapped in, um, you know, we, we talk about things in a market standpoint, right? And what makes sense and how to how to play edges if it's everybody's really competitive and understands all these things. And I think there's a couple things that I do want to say. Um, not to get too far off track from the warped out of here, but that with that being, it being the case, I think that it's good to have all that information, and you should, and in and, and leagues that you know the dynamics and the format and you know your league mates, definitely take advantage of some of that. But I do think sometimes it's important to understand, even from a portfolio perspective, try to have an understanding of your league mates because what is one of the biggest X factors, in my opinion, for playing the game of Dynasty Fantasy Football is the human element, right? Understanding what differs from this league mate and this league mate in your specific leagues, that's different than just singular portfolio talk. And I'm not saying that that's not a big thing. It is. Portfolio management's humongous, right? You have to understand what you're going to do there. But sometimes it's not just only, you know, I have five or seven shares of this player because those are a big thing and how you move them accordingly is a big part of it. But If you know, hey man, I have some of these running backs, and to your point, I want to move some of them at equal value, who are the people in my league that have been tapping my line for Austin Eckler? Who are the people that have been tapping my line for some of these running backs, right? Keep that stuff stockpiled, and we talk about that in 4D with dealing, understanding your league mates, and then utilize all this information to not just get what the market might dictate, what they might dictate, how much they'll pay for it. And you can go get a crustier running back off them that they might not value appropriately, like Ramondre or Cordero, right? And you can still get the draft capital or some of these great players based on the warp information and all the shit you have here with us. So I think that's just one piece, small interjection I wanted to get out there too when you're dealing with uh, people in your leagues.
1: Uh, that's a huge factor, man. We've all been there. I would hope we've all been there. I know, especially sometimes people know me or listen to my stuff and, and they will send me a trade offer and it's perfectly right up my alley. And it's not like it's a smash. I'm killing them on value, but I'm like, damn, I really like that guy that he's sending me. And I really like, oh, I hate to give up this, this 23 first, but damn, he got me like, like, I, I I gotta do it. Right. I gotta follow the process. They know me, they pay attention. They listen to whatever I'm saying. Or we've had negotiations in the past and they keep the mental notes and they go, man, Mike's a big Antonio Gibson fan. I know if I send this, this deal is going to get done. And they know there's not going to be a lot of haggling back and forth. And you and I have those deals sometimes too. I know there's guys that you like or our process is, is a lot the same. So when I send you a deal, generally it's something if I'm looking at it on the other side, it's the same thing I would do. So if you know those little keys, that's absolutely huge in your ability to go out and make those dynasty deals. And if you're you're a person who wants to kind of pivot from this, this running back centric mindset to more of this wide receiver thing, figure out who the running back people are. Figure out who the people out there that are slow to adjust or not paying attention and still think that, you know, these running backs are, are everything. And go out and see if you can't can't get some deals done where you send them the, the running back and you make more of a pivot to the wide receiver aspect. And judging by this warp chart too. Adam, I think I might be going out on some of these deeper starting lineup leagues, these start 12s, where I have really good quarterbacks. You know, I have a I have a league that I have a, a Herbert, and I have a Dak Prescott, and, you know, I'll have a Deshaun Watson when he comes back from suspension. And, you know, I, I have a good quarterback room, but it's a, it's a start 13 league, Adam. I'm looking at warp data, you know, outside of having Josh Allen. And I can kind of get by with some of these other quarterbacks. Like I I have more opportunities if I build my team up with more Tyreek Hill types, more Stefan Diggs types. Um and and I still think those are deals that are easily attainable, right? If I'm going to you right. and I'm going, like, hey man, I'll give you Dak Prescott, you know, for you know, give me back your your Jared Goff and give me back uh Stefan Diggs. Like people are gonna look at that, it, well, you know it's a super flex quarterback, yeah, yeah. And he's a he's an elite tier. Looking at the warp data, man, like that is something that you can get by on. Now, I'm not advocating, you know. I think Jared Goff had an incredible start to the season, and we've kind of seen lately that it's it's not all sunshines and rainbows with him, and and he has his warts. But it's just one example of like ways that you can kind of get by. Where I'm still going to be on the positive side of warp with my quarterback position, but I can actually get a real game changer at another position with a with a wide receiver type.
0: Right, and I think the other big thing there, Mike, is um, you, you're you're building if you do those type of moves. I think there's, there, there's two things here to really think about. You kind of, in a way, if you're going to do that, you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. We talk about that all the time in life. And in a 12, 13, 14 starters, if you can find the warp replacement level quarterback – like, I mean, obviously, Gino would be the one that stands out, screams at you, right? But, um, you know, you, you, you look at enough quarterbacks on here. You, you could find someone that's giving you decent warp, but you could trade away a Lamar, um, you know, type and get a haul back in Superflex, right? And I think yeah, what you got to think about is this, one, doing that, but then, two, like, how can you navigate value while doing that to really build the depth? Because what you're going to do is build depth and injury – backfills right and you're you're kind of securing depth and a better chance of getting a title by having the depth in this format and like if you look at it man th- think about some guys that you'd want to target and doing that that you could grab like Devonte smith right Devonte smith is a receiver that's not even valued super highly like you can get that type of a player plus one of these other really good skill players like and, and you and i know this if you're trading away an elite quarterback and super flex and you're getting back either a really gross quarterback or not one at all, you're getting a lot of times three type players in the skill positions in order to do that. Now, start 12, start 13, start 14, maybe it's only two you're able to get back. But understand that if you do it for the right pieces, what you're, what you're gaining in warp here is significant, not to mention the dynasty aspect.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're looking at it right now, man. There's 50 guys listed on this sheet. And it only goes down to QB9. And, QB9 and, is the only one that can make the list. I mean, we're still talking three QB1s right. in fantasy football and think about, that aren't even cracking the top 50, which is wild. Like, wild to think about in these deeper formats.
0: Well, and think about this too, Mike. Um, not just that, but that's a huge thing, right? There's not 10 quarterbacks in the top 50 with a warp. But if you look, right, two of the nine, Geno Smith and Marcus Mariota. right so nobody valued them at all right so it's really seven of the quarterbacks that you're drafting super high or like in the first three startup rounds you're looking at you know justin herbert qb8 you're looking at uh trevor lawrence qb7 joe burrow jalen hurts patrick mahomes um, and obviously josh allen and lamar jackson so seven of the guys you're drafting early are the ones that are really giving you that warp advantage so the point is if Mariota's on here and you got Gino on here, you're going to go down a little bit, right? Maybe 0.44. Yeah. You might get only 0.2 or 0.1 in warp, but that's a big trade-off from getting multiple pieces of these warp players that are 0.5, 0.7, 0.8 and up. You know what I mean? If you can do that, it's that's 4D chess, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're missing some some mainstays. And, and granted, some of it's injury, some of it's just flat out bad performance from some of these guys right like you there's there's no excuses that you can make for some, for some of these players but you know Stafford and Russ come to mind Dak with the injury come to mind you think about what it took to acquire and whether it's in startup draft capital like none of these guys are going outside of the top 3 rounds um like Dak Prescott's probably not going outside of the first 16 17 18 picks at best, like best case scenario, you're getting them in the mid second. Right. I highly doubt that was the case for a lot of people. Well, but well you didn't mention the, Trey Lance
0: too, right? Like,
1: y- yep. But I'm just I'm just looking at the the super elite ones that people were heavily invested in. Yeah, but then you get to the, the young and up and coming ones, the ones that we thought were going to be right. the next group, right? it's 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 rough out there it is it is absolutely insane to think what you would have invested them like i said whether it's a startup or whether you're making a trade like if you made a trade for one of these guys oh my gosh like how how far back did that set your team comparatively to what they're actually giving you as far as warp data goes versus what you could have had right (laughs) what you traded away so I think about like some of the Dak Prescott deals that I I've done in the past and what I had to give up to give like a guy like Dak Prescott, and then I look at some of the player names on here, whether it was draft capital and and, and they went ahead and selected a guy like Dak Prescott, or whether it was actually player picks, and I'm going, man, I am so upside down, man. It's like it's like being upside down on your mortgage.
0: Well, <laughs> it's, well, you know it's not a good
1: feeling. Like when am I getting evicted?
0: You know what's funny though. This is something that I think isn't being talked about enough. And I, I think you, you kind of talked about how we're just beating the wide receiver running back conversation into the ground. And honestly, it's a huge topic, and we're going to do it for the rest of the year, all of next year. It's going to be a conversation probably for the remainder of time in dynasty and a fantasy period. But I think what's being – I don't want to say missed because people obviously feel it. But what's being, I guess, overlooked – is I think part of why the wide receiver warp is also so great is the quarterback thing, right? And why we're paying so much attention to why the wide receiver warp is so great. Like, it's not just, Mike, it's not just Dynasty Degenerates that Najee Harris burned you, DeAndre Swift burned you, Javante Williams burned you, Jonathan Taylor, hell, even right now has burned you. You know, so many of these running backs have burned you. Breeze Hall, the final straw, you know, the, the nail in the coffin at the running back value. Those all happened. But you know what else also happened, Mike? Justin Herbert's not killing you, but he's not giving you 102 startup pick, right? Um, Kyler Murray, right? He's being drafted anywhere from top five to six quarterback, basically in all startups. Not featured in the warp data. Dak Prescott, missing time. Not featured in the warp data. Trey Lance, out for the year. Not featured in the warp data. Russell Wilson. I mean, who the hell knows? Not featured in the warp data, he, he right?
1: too many danger riches, Danger witch.
0: They, they had to take it off the menu, man. You know? I mean, Matthew Stafford, <laughs> not featured in the warp data. Um, I'm just reading these in order. Uh, tre- tre- Trevor Lawrence, good, not great, right? Um, yeah. Still a little bit of scaries with him, but he, he's at least giving you some value at, at quarterback for where you're drafting he, him.
1: He at least makes the warp table, right? Yeah. Congratulations, T-Law.
0: And then you're talking about Justin Fields and Derek and Carr and Tua Tungavailoa, And I think this is something that I think is being overlooked, Mike, is that, yes, wide receivers are killing it. And there's a plethora of wide receivers in the first three, four rounds that like you just basically couldn't miss on, right? Yeah. And it's the view of them having the longer shelf life and not being injured as much, all that baked in. But I, I do think that, what's being overlooked in all this cause the running backs are bad is that the quarterback landscape is a fucking mess. And mm-hmm. if you were somebody that took Jalen hurts, if you had the conviction and you're like, I'm going to forgo dynasty strategy and just go win. Now Jalen hurts is paying off huge. But mm-hmm. if you were even some of these people, I think this is something that's so interesting. Mike is cause you're thinking about this and you're going to say, okay, what have we learned? In startups, you're going to want to take the quarterbacks early, then the receivers, then you want to backfill with running back. Obviously, sprinkle in tight end depending on what the value is. But that's kind of going to be the thing that everyone says. But I think what's interesting is just as much if not more with running back is if you invested two, two of your top picks in quarterback, you got burned unless you got Mahomes, Lamar, uh, Allen, Hurts like you know yep. you you have been burned at quarterback too and i think the combination of that at quarterback and at running back is really putting this like spotlight emphasis on receiver cuz not only are those things happening the early receivers one aren't hurt and two are smashing in warp
1: man, man i really like these conversations that we're having i got to keep it moving though i got to keep the show moving Let's get into the two tight end thing, and this is how we're going to finish the show because I thought Let's there was it. a lot of good information here in the two tight end one when yeah. I look, So yeah. both sheets that we looked at previously, the start nine and the start 12, you only had three tight ends that would make the top 50, right? And the third one's David Joku. you know, prayers up for the, uh, the high ankle sprain. It's probably, it's probably a wrap for him for most of the season, the dreaded high ankle. But three tight ends, man. It was, it was, it was Kelsey and Andrews and then nothing an absolute dumpster. But if we look at a, a start 10 league and two of the positions need to be tight end, Adam, right? So just two of these guys need to be tight end. Same, same rest of the scoring half point tight end premium, the same kind of thing. But the, the only big change we're making is start two tight end. Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, number two and three, right? <laughs> the cream rises to the top. And now Mark Andrews all of a sudden is the third highest warp advantage player. In the entire league. All, all right. right. Well, I kind of figured that was probably coming. Sure. The interesting part to me, Adam, is generally in start two tight end leagues, like I know tight ends have more of a value. I just didn't realize like the average, the Mez, the, the guys that we usually dunk on all the time and we're just like, you know, you don't pay up for these guys. They're not worth it. They don't give you an advantage. Those guys are actually an advantage. <laughs> Those guys are actually making the top 50 list. And in a, in a way that that's surprising me. So, the guys I'm speaking of that that made the list, right? Dallas Goddard, Tyler Higby, T.J. Hawkinson, and Big Bob Tunyon. Yeah, big big fucking Bob Tunyon. Congratulations, Bobby, making the list here. But
0: everybody who wrote him off for dead and two tight ends, man. Bob Tunyon's season off. is strong, right?
1: Paying off, right? Dallas Goddard, Tyler Higby, T.J. Hawkinson. Now, Higby ha- having a hell of a year or was having a hell of a year, I, I, hopefully he continues. It just seems like it can't be Higby and Robinson, I guess. It's got to be one or the other. But yeah. he, he started off really good. But Hawkinson and Goddard are generally in that area of tight end, and I know we've had this conversation, and I've said it before, is like those are the tight ends that just don't inspire anything out of me. You know what I mean? Like TJ Hawkinson is my guy. He went to Iowa, the whole thing. Right. I want to support him, but – his dynasty cost versus what he would actually provide you as far as value, and in this case, warp, never really appeared to be worth a shit in my mind. Like, I didn't want to pay that price for what I actually got. In start two tight end leagues, though, Adam, he's actually an advantage. <laughs> he's he's almost a value at this point. And the same for Dallas Goddard, especially when I look at it. Because they come in at 33, 35, 36, respectively. I mean, you're talking about other players in that range as far as warp numbers go. I mean, they're right around Debo Samuel, Dalvin Cook, and Devontae Smith, and, you know, the Ramondre Stevenson, the CD, Josh Jacobs. they ahead of CeeDee Lamb. Ahead of CD Lamb, right? Ahead of a, had a guys like Tom Brady, right? Amon Ross St. Brown, Mike Evans, uh, Joe Mixon, right? All these guys, generally most of them, I'm not going to say all of them, but generally most of them, you're talking about people that they – people value them a lot more even in a two tight end league right because those are the names we know those are the names we love and you look at somebody going to trade you for a tj hawkinson or they're trying to give you dallas goddard you scoff at it you're like these are just middling tight ends i think you got to wake up and pay more attention to how important having that second tight end is because when you get down to the bottom of the barrel of the tight ends right The, the the replacement level tight ends that people are starting you get down to tight end 25 and 26 those guys who wouldn't even make the cut, look at their fantasy points per game, right? You don't even have to look at the warp data, but just go look at their fantasy points per game and be absolutely disgusted by what they're scoring, right? (laughs) This is why Hawkinson and Goddard become an advantage because when you play in a lineup league or even a best ball league, anything head-to-head, your tight end two is outscoring at a greater pace what the other opponent's tight end two may be doing, and that's an advantage. That's what you're trying to get every single week.
0: Right. I think, you know, and when you think about this data and why it's so important, Mike, and this is where, um, I think this is a piece I want to get out here. If you're in a portfolio, right? I think something that happens a lot of times in portfolio management is people lose little track of the things that matter like this, right? So if you're in 21 leagues, how many are start two tight ends? If you're in 30 leagues, how many are start two tight ends, right? If you're in that many leagues, How many of them are 2QB versus Superflex, right? Understanding the differences there. How many of them are points per carry? How many of them are half PPR for receivers? What's the tight end premium? Like, those things play a huge part in the scoring. And I think what's so big about this, Mike, is, you know, I'm in a two tight end league with you, and it's a best ball league, where I made a trade that I would never otherwise make to get Dallas Goddard as a piece that I'm getting back because it's too tight end and it's best ball. Now, in best ball, here's the thing. When you start rostering, to your point about these tight ends, right? When you start rostering the tight end, gosh, man, it's crazy to say, but even like tight end 15 and down, mm-hmm. what happens with those guys is what? Their points per game isn't going to look great, but really it's the week-to-week volatility, and a lot of those types are dependent on touchdowns if they matter, Right. So there's two two big parts of this, I think, that need to be talked about. In best ball, you could maybe get away with, in a two tight end, having six of them because you're just hoping that tight end two spot is filled by a guy that makes a touchdown, right? Whereas in in a lineup league, Mike, if you have those gross ones, tight end 15 to 30-ish, like if you're trying to pick now, which dog shit tight end is going to be the one that falls in the end zone. And you got to press the button on him versus somebody that has TJ Hawkinson and Dallas Goddard. The floor on TJ Hawkinson and Dallas Goddard is going to fucking obliterate you compared to picking a dog shit tight end that tries to fall in the end zone weekend. And week out at tight end two.
1: Well, prime example, right? We're looking at tight end 15. I'm looking at Will Disley. <laughs> Will fucking Disley.
0: There you okay? go. I mean, you,
1: just ppr points right this isn't tight in premium but he's scoring 13 cool two no not cool 12 14
0: cool cool 4 2
1: and 8 <laughs> right? guess
0: guess what happened in all the games that are not two and whatever
1: yeah yeah not not great man we not we know great.
0: we know the games that he had double digit points and basically not a complete zero was when he got a touchdown. You know, like that's mm. what happens in the tight end premium with the the touchdown built in. So listen, in best ball, Will Disley loving it. And even in, in lineup, you know, you probably just said the at a certain point in two tight end you might just keep pressing the button and you deal with the twos. But point is those guys don't really have a floor. You're basically banking on a touchdown. And when you think about positional scarcity in two tight end, that's where like some of that strategy I don't think to your point you and I even have thought about all that deeply. And I think it's an, it's an edge that you can have if you're able to get two of the top, you know, eight tight ends.
1: I will also say, too, generally those guys don't have a high ceiling either, right? Like, they're, they're kind of capped. Kind of capped on the... You know, right. I mean, maybe, maybe
0: a- one week out of the year they'll give you two touchdowns. But maybe. Yeah, they're not yeah, going to give you a high volume. They're never going to give you a T.J. Hawkinson 10 catch week. It's not coming. of...
1: That's what I was going to. I was going to use TJ Hawkinson as an example, but I figured people would push back a little bit about the whole. Well, he had one monster game, and I I get that. So let me use Dallas Goddard instead because he's right next to him. Okay. Sure. Yeah. If you look at Dallas Goddard in PPR score, and I gave you the Will Disley thing, but Dallas Goddard, you know, it gives you a nine. Okay. Well, not the greatest, but whatever. 13, 11, 12, 17, and then a four. Now, one real bad game. One real bad game. he finished tight end 32. That's not helping anybody out, right, this uh, last time they played out uh, against Dallas. But even his nine-point game, you know, that's tight end 14. You know, that's a that's an above-average tight end two-position starter in a two-tight end league, right? It's below average in a one-tight end league. No one gives a shit. But in a two-tight end league, right, if you're tight end 14, man, there's 12 tight end ones, and then you're the number two scoring tight end two on the week. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. So when you look at these kind of guys, I think this is why the warp thing makes a little bit more sense. I've I've been more hesitant in two tight end leagues to push some of these guys up because traditionally I'm going, ah, these are just the, the gross tight ends of the world. These are just the guys that, you know, whatever. I think dynasty community overvalues them. Looking at this tells me otherwise. And it tells me that I should be more interested in these. Now, just because I should be more interested in them doesn't mean I in you know, a startup draft, right? I don't have to spend a pick that's unreasonable to go secure them, right? I don't need to chase what other people are doing. But if they become a value at some point, right? I'm looking at TJ Hawkinson in like round six. Before I'd be like, man, I'm not interested until like round seven or round eight, you know. Like we we had a show where we talked about that, about the tight end position specifically. Now, Adam, in round six, I'm a lot more interested. I'm going like, well, he's a positive war player. He's actually going to give me an advantage over, you know, similar to what somebody would have an advantage in the, their RB1 slide if they had a Dalvin Cook versus what somebody may put in as a replacement player. So makes a lot more sense to me, and I thought it was kind of interesting and surprising, right? I look at the top, ho-hum, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, and then I started scrolling down, and I'm going, holy shit, like these tight ends that are making the top 50 list, this is interesting to me this is interesting so i figured this was a good way to end the show right a little bit of too tight end talk because it's a little bit out there and you you talked about the portfolio like how many of these leagues do you actually have and i might have more man i think i might be able to exploit this a little bit
0: (laughs) yeah i mean I, i know i actually have i think maybe four of them um it's a wrinkle that you know I've been in several times and it, it's fun. Uh, some of them are lineup, some of them are best ball. I think more, I think I have three best ball, one lineup, but it, it's a, it's a fun wrinkle. And obviously when you go tight end premium and two tight end, um, you know, it really helps make the position matter. And, and this is a good example of the information that helps you take advantage of, of the differences, man. And I think, you know, like for me, you know, if you can grab T- Dallas Goddard at the price one of the takeaways for me would be if you can grab Dallas Goddard at the standard tight end premium price in two tight end, because someone doesn't understand that information, that's an exploitation, right? You can do you can probably do stuff like that, especially if you're sending them back a name value, Mike, like Dalvin Cook, right, or a receiver that's really nice. That the warp is just it's good, but it's not great in this format because you can get Dallas Goddard and probably get another warp player go two for one and you're you're killing that deal and i think ultimately man everything that i want to put out and talk about here on 4d and i consume whether i like it or i don't like it there's some stuff i'm going to take and consume it's like okay it makes sense i don't know how much i believe in it i want to do some more digging and maybe i apply or don't apply it right but ultimately everything i want to do is try to take in and make our process better and ultimately give that to people that are listening to this podcast, to destination Debbie to the newsletter and what they, t- what they plan to do with it and how they choose to implement it is up to them. Right? Like that's our process too. Right, Mike, we started listening to a lot of different people and taking bits and pieces of all of their, their work and what makes sense. And some things they played up and used its advantages to them and their leagues. And I think this is, another piece of information that helps you realize, man, we talk so much about generic values, market values, right? And that's good information to have. But if everyone operates off of similar information and you're in a league where everybody's valuing these players similarly, okay, what are the edges from there? Is this a two tight end league that nobody's valuing two tight ends in? Is this a start 12 that someone's going to give you a start nine price on a quarterback like Lamar? Like, all those type things, I think, are actually ways to play the 4D aspect of warp information like this.
1: I think too, like kind of along those lines of what you're talking about, buddy. Is is like we just talked about it on the the Tuesday night AMA on our YouTube channel about uh, just in general, like taking information from other people and then applying it to how we do things. Like I think about uh, we talked about that night. Uh, somebody had mentioned hey, if it wasn't for you guys in the, the Two Kennys, One Draft podcast, like I wouldn't have any Kenneth Walker and I'm glad I got three shares now. Like, thank you for that. And I, I just said, you know, I don't always hit, but when we dive in and do the research, this is the why we feel this way. This is the data provided and, and you can take it if you want and you don't have to. It, it It doesn't matter whether or not you do or not. I mean, that's ultimately up to you, but I still use those same kind of principles in my process, right? I'll hear something and, I may disagree with it or i may think it's not for me or I, you know i may have a strong opinion against it but there mm-hmm. are more times than not uh shout out to jay rich about this when he came on to our draft stream
0: chris Olave, uh,
1: right like i wouldn't have any chris Olave if it wasn't for jay rich period
0: well, none and you know what- I,
1: I i thought he was the most overrated prospect wide receiver but jay rich was like, no, you this is why I believe this, and this is what I think could happen. And here I am sitting there, you know, across 30 leagues, and I think I got like seven or eight Chris Olave shares because I'm like, you know what? Like, he's making sense. Like you have talked me into it. Now I want to draft Chris Olave. And here I am sitting here heading into week eight. And Chris Olave is is wide receiver one of this rookie class so far from what we've seen, what everybody feels comfortable about. And I'm going. Shit, man. Like, if it wasn't for him coming on that show and having a strong take and a strong conviction about Chris Olave and having good points to back it up and me being willing to listen to somebody that I, I thought I disagreed with, like, I thought I was on the opposite side, my dynasty teams would be so much worse. Like, I would have taken, uh, you know, I, w- I don't even, I don't know. I probably would have taken more James Cook and just hated my life even more.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, and what's interesting about that, Mike, right, is this. I would say, like, it, obviously, it, it's funny because you and I, and I think this is where, for me, like, in another learning experience, and I think this is something we got to talk about more on future shows, and I'll just try to do it quickly here, is learning experiences should be a key driving factor for you in Dynasty and how you play this game. Because, let me say this, I, as an Ohio State guy, watched Chris Olave. And for me, I did think Jay Rich made sense, but there was part of me that was like, man, I've had I've had a hard time seeing this guy be someone that really is a difference maker at Ohio State. And he's been talked about and hyped up for so damn long. And, you know, he's a senior prospect now, and there's all these things in my mind that even while he's making sense, I was having a hard time getting over. So I maybe got one or two shares of Chris Olave, where he was a value, you know, playing the value game. But that didn't happen often because of the draft capital and the situation and how much target share he was expected to get. So I didn't get much of him. Um, So, you know, learning experience, right? Be willing to, even though it's different to what you believe, think about the process. You don't have to necessarily do it, but like if you think there's credibility and understanding of why that's the case, use that information. Like that's a learning experience for me. I guess... The one thing that actually in this case, because I'll tell you this, and if you listen to this podcast long enough, you know I've missed. You know Mike has missed. We, we've missed on a shit ton of things this wild, year.
1: Wild swings and misses, man. Like an Adam Dunn strikeout back in the day.
0: Right. And I mean, listen, you know, I'm sure Scott will tell you, Ray will tell you, anybody you listen to, any podcast anywhere, will tell you if they're being honest that we we miss. We we Part of the game is missing. When you play in that many fucking leagues, you are going to miss. Um, but I'll say this, one of the things for the Chris Olave thing, getting back to not saying that I didn't miss, because I missed out on Chris Olave a lot, but the guy that I got in Chris Olave's range pretty much every time was George Pickens. So like for me, I was lucky that it I, got, I had a guy I believed in. I liked the talent better. I didn't like that everybody yeah. was fading the landing spot. I ended up getting him. But to me personally still, though, Mike, what I would like to have done there, even though I didn't, let's say, totally whiff on dynasty value, what I would love to have is more of a blend. Instead of having eight shares of Pickens and two shares of Alave, be five and five. Because in portfolio perspective, that'd be so much better, right?
1: Yeah, or that ability too. Like if you're you're taking uh, George Pickens at the 112, right? To to know that shit, I want both of these guys, and there's no reason both of these guys shouldn't be here. To have that that wherewithal to go, like, oh yeah, let I'm me gonna, grab them I, both. I, I might have. I might've traded up a few more times to the two Oh one. You know what I mean? And I'm like, right. I'm well, going to double tap both these guys.
0: Well, you know what, you know, what's funny. Um, that, that's a good example, Mike, um, where you could have tried to grab both. You know, I think I had a league where I had a whole bunch of 22 picks and then nobody, two points to this. Nobody wanted 22, right? 22, especially late was like, fuck these picks. And, and a lot of times I was stuck with those picks. Cause you, unless you got lucky and find yourself a fish, you weren't getting off those picks, but you grab both of those of those wide receivers, but here's what's funny: talking about how we all miss. What was the narrative? what What were we talking about? What was everybody talking about? Basically, after 107, move the pick. Just get yeah, a just get another first, right?
1: Any anything doesn't matter when 23, As much, 24. Just get a first. We don't care if it's late. Just get one.
0: And I think this is a good way to kind of wrap everything up and try to get out of here because I don't want to get on tangents for too long. But you know, when we miss, right? We, we just had JB on to do the 23 and 24 pod, right? And we talked just a week ago about how damn good those classes are, right? Yep. Part of our pushback, Michael, along on 22 versus 23 was that the time difference. Now, yeah. we fucking missed on the quarterback. But you know what everybody missed on? is the time difference because these dog shit back end picks. Now, if you took James Cook, RIP, right? If you took some of these guys you shouldn't have been touching – That hurts you. But if you took a lot of the guys in that range, George Pickens, Chris olave you are not getting a 20. You are not going to get those guys for just a random 23 first right now a lot of times. Yeah. yeah, You know what I mean? And that was a miss as a whole because we don't have a crystal ball. Nobody has a crystal ball. So it's always a learning experience. But like to that point, Mike, you just made, if I would have been a little more willing to Man, Jay Rich is making sense, but like I just don't like Olave. Well, let me just take a few more shares because it makes sense. You get more of both of those guys, right? So I guess the whole point to say, um, you know, take all the information from us, from anyone how you will, but try to at least give yourself the opportunity to digest it and see if it makes sense for you.
1: That's huge, man. That that's how exactly how we started. We we're taking you. You mentioned it. We're taking multiple pieces from a lot of people that we trust and that we we rock with, that we fuck with, and we think are really good. You know, you know, it started with me personally. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware or haven't heard the story, right? Like I got into a, a Dynasty, and then I'm I'm listening to Matt Kelly. I'm listening to the Podfather, and then you know I find this show on uh, uh, the Fantasy Flock, and you know I'm watching that, and then I see this guy on there, Scott Connor, and he's got this fucking playstation looking headset right and he's wearing the backwards in the the,
0: the garage like like this dude who is this dude in the garage but he's smart as hell simon
1: right and i'm listening to it and i'm going damn he's smart as shit and then scott also then leads me into ray and then i'm listening to ray and all of a sudden like i'm like you know what i need to join this patreon right i need to sign up and join all gas and be part of this community be around other people who are passionate about dynasty You know, I'm following Mike Lou on Twitter and watching everything he's doing on uh, on YouTube and
0: bunk bed breakdowns and Market Market Watch Mondays, right?
1: Yeah, I'm taking all this information and, like I said, I, I I'm not I'm not like a I'm not a Ray Stan, I'm not a Mike Stan, I'm not a Podfather Stan. All of them have really good points and they're all really smart. I just took some of it and I go, you know what? Like, I I really think Mike is right on this and I really think Ray is right on this and. I come to this consensus about how I wanted to approach my own way in Dynasty and how I wanted to make my own process by using other smart people that have convinced me on how to be a good Dynasty player. And that's that's what we present to you every week, every Friday, same time, same place. This is what we give to you is that approach that has been molded by other people. And that's all I I ever give to advice for people. Like, you can find one analyst that you really like. You don't have to listen to everything that they say, man. (laughs) Like, take some bits and pieces that make sense to you and that you can apply. And the biggest thing for me in my Dynasty career has been trial and error, man. We miss on a lot of stuff. And we've talked about it before. Best ball last year was like the first time it was really big. And we're hammering leagues. And I look at every single baseball team that I did last year, every single startup that went one year, and I fucking hate them. <laughs> I'm like, what was I doing? <laughs> what was I thinking? But that's where it was. I failed, and I failed, and I failed. And now I look at all of them, and I go, I know how to fix it. Or I know how I want to approach fixing it. I know what the process needs to be to make these better. So. That's all I got, man. I thought this was a hell of a show. I love it. The warp data. Big shout out to Scott and Eric for getting me interested in warp. Dynasty Berry for being so gracious to provide them with the warp data. Right. And then our guy Koopa, man. Shout out to Koopa too. I didn't get to look at Dynasty Berry's warp because I always thought it was too technical, and I'm a big dummy. And Koopa just blasted it in my face in in our Discord, in our Patreon, and just put it right out there and and said, "Here, I made these sheets." What kind of data do you want? What kind of size leagues do you want? And and they're all color coded and they're dummy proof for me, and that is absolutely perfect. I'm a I'm a warp, I'm a warp uh warp for idiots, one oh one. That's what this class is.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, um great episode, man. I, I enjoyed talking about the difference the differences in leagues. Not just us kind of telling you what we've experienced, but putting numbers behind it. Mike, to your point too, I think. We, we give advice, you know, we're going to be right and wrong on advice. We give advice based on what we've learned. And I think sometimes, Dynasty Degenerates, anyone listening to this podcast, there's going to be times where you're looking at a deal and you're unsure. And you take advice, you you talk to this analyst and this analyst, and you, you hear what they say, and it's conflicting. And you don't know what to do. And I think sometimes you got to go with your gut. you got to go with your own process. And then ultimately, even if you don't have one, listen i can sit up here mike can sit up here and tell you anyone can sit up here and tell you what they've experienced but it doesn't really hit home the degree of some of the process that we put out there and why we've gotten here until you go through a league where you fucked up on five picks You, you made a few trades that are bad and you start understanding there's a difference in just experiencing and listening and for myself, like, that's literally for me. I started, you know, my first Dynasty League, man. I'm just consuming all this information. And, man, I look back and I think, dude, what was I doing? Like, why did I do some of these trades? And sometimes, you, what and there's there's some trades in that league too, which, like, I did some things and it worked out great. Like, you have to learn by experience both ways. Don't be afraid to learn by experience. Don't be afraid to buck the trend. Do your thing if that's what you believe based on the process you formed. And ultimately, take all this information and try to get better and apply it to your leagues whether you want to apply what we're talking about scott's talking about everybody all at once apply it your way that's how we both got here and just remember when your league mates are playing chess play 40 chess
1: that's gonna do it for us we're out of here peace
0: peace